DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to talk football with Scott Mitchell, co-host of Unrivaled, Utah football radio analyst. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Scott, good morning. Hey, what's up? Good morning. Well, I got multiple things I want to talk to you about. I was looking this up uh, with the state championships coming up, and I saw Springville is playing Lehigh for the 5A title. And Springville hasn't won since 85. Is there any tie to you with that 85 game? You know, it's funny you should ask me that, but yes, there is. Uh, Actually, it was the first and only time that little old Springville has won a state championship in football. Been to this championship game on numerous occasions, but never won it since. Aha! I thought that was probably it, but it was before my time. I didn't have the years down. I just tried to count back from, uh, well, the, the the blowout games in 88 and 89 with, uh, with Utah and BYU, and I'm like, that had to have been Scott's team. That had to have been. You know, it's funny, too, because I've played in a lot of football games, and you just mentioned one, you know, when we beat BYU in, in 88 and you played professionally for 12 years. One of the greatest games I ever played in, though, was playing in that state championship in high school because you're a young kid and you grow up in a small town, and that's your dream. When you play football, it's like, we, we want to win a state championship. And, and to actually go and do it and do it for the first time in your life, was it was so vivid and still just holds a, a really precious place in my, par- my heart is one of my, my best memories. All right, before we get into all the uh, college football we want to talk with you, we are giving away tickets at uh, 30 minutes after every hour. we got jazz tickets to give away at 8.30 right now. Two tickets, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Be the 12th caller right now. Yaka will hook you up with tickets to see the 76ers and the Jazz tonight. If you don't win now, we'll do it at 9.30. If you don't win then, we'll have them all day long right through Unrivaled. With Scott this afternoon, so there are more chances to win. So, Scott, I think Cam Rising is the best quarterback in the Pac-12. And I remember interviewing him when he first got to campus, and he wasn't going to be playing. He was going to be redshirting. And I came away thinking, man, this guy has got a quiet confidence about him, and he doesn't really care who they're bringing in, why they're bringing in somebody, this guy, that guy, or whatever it might be. He's just going to go beat him out. And I've been on that bandwagon for a good while. I thought he should have started earlier in the season. He didn't, but nevertheless, here he is. The team's rolling offensively. What, in your eyes, makes him as good as he is? Well, I would agree with you, actually. I, I think he's playing the best at quarterback. And there, there are some good quarterbacks, at, you know, uh, Jaden Daniels at Arizona State and Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA. But the thing that jumps out at me about Cam Rising, this is, this is the first time this guy started. I mean, he's—I mean, he's never played in college football, and you normally see with a with a guy like that, there's like a, a growth curve. You know, there's there you, you see you see uh, moments of brilliance, and then you see, oh boy, that's a dumb mistake. And you really haven't seen that from Cam, aside from you know maybe maybe some inaccuracy on passes, but that's that's gotten a lot better as as the season's gone on, and he's getting more consistent with that. But this guy, he can legitimately beat you throwing the football and, and running it. And, and he's not just a run, 
uh, out of desperation. I mean, this guy's a he's a legitimate run threat. He's about as dual a threat quarterback as there is certainly in the Pac-12, and and he's and he's up there with with people across the country. But it was it was the moment he went in at San Diego State, and it has I mean he, he hasn't flinched. He's just had this this energy, and he's had this take this Utah football team, put it on my shoulders, and I'm going to lead you guys there. And everyone's bought into this. Everybody has bought into this. Crazy thing about Utah, they're being energized, led, and the, the most uh, powerful part of their whole team is their offense, which probably keeps Kyle Whittingham up at night because he's such a defensive-minded coach. So when you watch the uh, Utes defensive line and you see Oregon's ability to run the ball and the quarterback, Anthony Brown, can run it, they've got their star running backs hurt, but their second and third running backs have been breaking off big plays as well. Do you think Utah's defensive front is up to the Oregon run game? Of, of all the, the teams that you play all year in the Pac-12, Oregon is that tough up front, uh, the offensive line is always good. They're always well coached. They're physical. They they thrive on being the tough guys, and that's on both sides of the ball. And that's how Utah has built itself. Uh, you but you've got some young guys who have had to mature through the season. I mean, there's there at times have been nine freshmen on the field for Utah on defense, and so I've I've, I've gradually seen the defensive line, this whole entire defense grow up and and really understand where their assignments because there have been there have been times when Utah's been vulnerable uh, against the run but it, it's something that continues to evolve and improve as the season goes on and uh, Cole Bishop last week who's kind of this hybrid nickel uh, safety linebacker position played really well against Arizona last week and he's healthy and he he hasn't been healthy so so Utah is about as healthy as it's been all year on defense. And, and they know this. They know that if you're going to beat Oregon, really if you're going to beat anyone you, in the Pac-12, you, you have to stop people from running the football, but especially Oregon, because the quarterback's average when he has to throw the ball. And, and you make, make Oregon one-dimensional, yeah, you got a really good shot at, at winning the game. But, but it will definitely be the test of all tests for Utah this year, stopping the run. So in a big game like this, little things matter, right? And you look at special teams, could be a difference maker. A few years back, uh, when they had a big game, uh, special teams, a big punt return that they lost. But uh, the punt team here has not been good this year, whether it's getting it blocked or just not punting the ball well enough. How much concern do you have there? It's a massive concern. I mean, it's been a consistent problem all year. It's not like, okay, we got it fixed problem is they changed punters they got that fixed so the guy's actually punting the ball a lot quicker they changed some guys the personal protectors the three guys that stand in front of the the punter they're blocking now but now it's breakdowns on the guys at the line of scrimmage i mean they just whiff blocked this was these were they you know not chump players i mean this was devin lloyd one of your best players who's on the punt team and he kind of just you know, had a had a brain fart and and just didn't block his guy and and let him go and and uh, the the thing I think you know and I'm not making excuses because it is a concern and they haven't dealt with it they haven't coached it they haven't executed it consistently all year 
they also haven't punted a lot, and especially since Cam Rising's come in. You know, so there's not a lot of opportunities to kind of get game reps to kind of figure stuff out. In fact, I think last week was probably the most they punted in you know in quite a while. So uh, the kickoff team, which was a problem earlier on in the year. They've had so many kickoffs because they've been scoring so many putt touchdowns. I mean, Utah's the, the leading scoring team in the Pac-12 that they're starting to figure out actually kickoffs and they're getting those reps. And uh, the, All the problems are correctable, but it's just about coaches coaching it better and players executing better. So as much as we go into this Utah-Oregon game, Scott Mitchell joining us here, uh, as much as we go into this Oregon game, and we look at the Utes, I just can't help but look at an Oregon team that they had the great win at Ohio State, and that is awesome. But five of their first seven games were by one score. And they did win four of the five, and Stanford got them in overtime. But now the last three weeks, they've won every game 10, 14, 23 points. They're blowing people out, or at least winning comfortably and not sweating it in the, you know, the final seconds. And I'm curious if you think Oregon has gotten better and is much better than the team that we saw in September and early October, or it was Colorado and Washington, Washington State changing coaches, and so they just hit a soft spot in their soft spot in the schedule. They look better, but it's fool's gold, and they are there for the taking when they play the Utes. What do you think? No matter what, Oregon has athletes. I mean, I mean, they've done an amazing job of recruiting the last. You know, we're really since Mario Cristobal's been there, I mean, it's a destination place for players in the Pac-12. You got some of the best players in Utah that end up in Oregon. Uh, it's a great pro, you know, so they get really good players. And they, and you know, they've had health issues. They've had a lot of guys out. I mean, you talk about some of the running backs have been out, mm-hmm. the offensive line, and even defensive line. I mean, they've they they've had injury issues. And and if you look at Utah and you think of the Utah football team against. Uh, BYU and San Diego State. I mean, Utah looks completely different now than they did then. And there's an evolution, whether it's players getting back, because that's what happened with the offensive line at Utah. A lot of injuries early on. They finally got some guys that they could settle on and get a consistent group in there, and they play, and they and they get better because they play. So I think that's that's some of it with Oregon. It's, but they've always got talent, and then and then you've always got really crappy teams in the Pac-12. I mean, when Utah played Stanford a couple of weeks ago, I don't, I don't, I've just, I was, I'd probably say I was just shocked at least because Stanford didn't show up and they looked terrible. And, and you have, you know, an UCLA playing Utah, I just expected a better game. Uh, Arizona State, I expected a better game. So I don't know how good even any of the teams in the Pac 12 are. And so I really, I really, and it is a question for me, I don't know how good Oregon is, really. Because uh, because you know they have athletes, you know they're well coached, but who have they played? And 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 I think there are holes in their team. I mean, I'm not totally sold on the quarterback. He's a great runner, but but throwing the ball, you know, he's just he's been really really kind of shaky and in, inconsistent. So uh, I think to me, uh, I, one of the things I really want to find out Saturday night is who really Oregon is because I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting because. Kyle, obviously, he lives and dies by stopping the run, and Oregon is really good at that, and the passing isn't as good. So I'm wondering what Oregon's offensive philosophy is going to be. Are they just just going to be determined? We have to run the ball, so we're going to continue to run the ball. Uh, Or do they think, well, Utah is just going to stack it against us, so 
we need to spread it out right from the start. I'm intrigued as to how they're going to handle that. I don't really know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it changes for either team. I don't think it changes for Utah. I mean, you you have to you have to stop the run. Like you just. I mean, there's just no way around that. No matter what. Now, how how they do that and what they do to stop it? Because one of the things Utah's done is a lot a lot more run blitzing on rundowns uh, to get that penetration, that early penetration to to kind of stop plays before. They started because in the past they've been able to do it with just their front four, and I don't know that they're quite that good this year. So they've had to resort to a little bit of that, uh, and and they've you know they've had they've kind of had some issues. But but Utah is just gonna they have to stop the run. And Oregon is like Oregon is Oregon is arrogant, right? They're, they're, they're like we're Oregon, and and we we run the football. And this is who we are, and this is what we're all about. And I don't I don't see that changing. And, and and the you know these coaches look we all have our egos and these coaches are no different and 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 they know um, they know who their DNA what their DNA is and who they are and they're gonna they're gonna be who they are and and uh, to me that's exciting it's like we're gonna stand toe to toe in the middle of the ring and we're gonna box this thing out there's no juking and jiving and and dancing around we are just gonna we are gonna go blow for blow for blow and see who the better team is. You look at their run-pass distribution, and their game, and a little bit of a surprise when I looked it up. I think that they are um, essentially Air Force. Um, it's not it's not the true option, right? But right. they'll run zone read stuff, and they'll run and they'll run and they'll run, and then they try to hit you with a big pass play. Now against Washington State, they ran the ball forty-seven times. They only threw it twenty-two. They were the team you just described. We're going to run it. You stop us. You can't. We run for 300 yards. They ran 47 times for 306 yards. And when they throw, they're looking to hit big plays. It's not classic drop-back guy. He's not. He's, he's not. I don't think he's going to be. But he has a completion of 30 yards or more in every single game this year. But they do have these outlier games. If the Utes just totally commit, we are going to run blitz, we are going to stop the run and make you throw. Against UCLA, they threw it 39 times and only ran it 24. That's not who I think Oregon is. But it, I guess it's who they needed to be in that game, and it won them the game. So they can do it if the Utes really – now it was, it was tight. It was a road, they won 34-31 at the Rose Bowl. Um, so I wonder how much the Utes will commit to it and if they're ready to face a team that throws 39 times and throws it down the field and is trying to hit on big plays. Yeah, and, and, and it's, hard, it's hard not to buy into that, but you, ha- you have to commit to stopping the run. It's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a foundational principle at Utah. It won't change. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll commit to that. And, and really, really the best way to stop the run <laughs> Is to be explosive offensively, and if Utah can be explosive and say, "Okay, you know, you get a lead, you get a fourteen-point lead, you get you, then," or, or or Oregon knows, you know, we have to match, we have to match score for score with Utah because because they're they're that explosive. That that really helps your defense because then you then you become um, less, you know, you be you, you become you become one-dimensional and. And I just, I just believe this quarterback will make mistakes, and and I know I, I hear what you're saying, but I just think consistently, no, he's not a guy that that's uh, going to throw the ball. And if you 
If you can make him move in the pocket and make him run around, he's even less efficient. And if and if you create a, a situation where he's one dimensional, I mean that's always it's always the philosophy with Utah: create an offense that's one dimensional, yeah. stop the run. And of course, in the past, it, it worked well, but the offense wasn't what it is today, and that that makes Utah even that more dynamic. Um, I'm going to take my chances if I'm Utah, saying Oregon, you got to beat us to throw the football. Okay, Scott, tell me why do I have this? Tell me why I have this memory of you. I think you were in Detroit, and it was Halloween, and you dressed up as your coach with a cigar (laughs) in your mouth, and you were mocking him. Why do I have this memory? Well, it's a crazy dream you're having. I've never heard of that before. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) It's one of those things where the real world saw what goes on in a locker room. And and it was a it was a moment that I thought was private. It was a private team Halloween party. Uh, there's a lot of um, ribbing back and forth. And, and I mean one of the one of the one of the most precious places in the world is an NFL locker room. Um, the it, it really is. It's it, there's you can give guys a hard time. You don't care about race. You don't care about religion. You don't. It's like nothing is off limits. Uh, when you joke with guys, it's funny. Uh, no one takes it personal. Now, I don't know if it's that way today because we just live in a different world. Social media, um, the woke culture that we have, whatever it is. <clears throat> but that was what was great. And and unfortunately, something that was private got out publicly. Someone video uh, videotaped it uh, before there was such a thing. And uh, and and so it was just it, it was just a funny thing that would be normal and and the public was like, you know, how dare he make fun of his coach and you know and, and I was and I was making fun of my coach and and the next day I actually talked to my coach because it got out publicly and all he said to me was, I understand I was at a party last night, I just want to know if I had a good time or not, <laughs> and that was the end of it. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a negative. I thought it was a funny thing that it's just lasted in my mind all these years because it was hilarious. I have more people remembered that than anything else. And it, and it was, <laughs> like it was, it was, it was really, it was, uh, it, it, and the reason it had, was perceived as being negative is the, is the day before we were playing the New York Giants and halfway through the game, the coach benched me. And so, Everyone thought it was me mocking him as a retaliation oh, for being benched. Which is stupid. But you already had the costume and you were already committed to it regardless. Yeah, I mean, it was Halloween. Yeah. And it was funny. I mean, it was you know, funny. It was, I remember yeah, it. it was hilarious. Yeah. And, and so everyone laughed about it, and, and including Coach Fonts. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny, it's just a funny relationship you have with like your coaches, your teammates, and, and a lot of it is there are times when it's when you hate each other and it's heated and and because uh, you're you're so competitive and it, and it's such a pressure uh, environment that you live in and being able to blow off steam but also being able to kind of scream and yell at each other and know that it's okay and later on it will be fine and and you just kind of roll with it and you have those moments and and everyone's okay at the end of the day which is really what happens. And who is the Lions coach who's won the only playoff game they've won in the last 64 years? <laughs> I mean, Wayne, Wayne Fonts, a lot of people make fun of the guy and, and whatever, 
but I had no, I never had any issues with him. He was a guy that lets you be a pro and, and he, and he let his coaches coach and, and he just kind of steered the ship, but he was, um, I, I never, I'd never had any, any issues, you know, with coach Mons ever. All right. Well, we'll see if uh, Springville has any issues with uh, Lehigh Friday morning at 11, the old alma mater going for state title number two. Good luck with that. Thank you, sir. Scott Mitchell, you're going to hear him today. Unrivaled. Catch it on your way home this afternoon, 3 o'clock, right into the Jazz pregame show at 7, and then the Jazz and Sixers tonight at 8. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Anytime, guys. Thank you. Scott Mitchell. Former Ute quarterback, here on the Ute broadcast now, former Dolphin and Lion and former Springville Red Devil. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I know you've been waiting uh, an hour, breathlessly, for Kyle Whittingham to explain the evolution and development of Nick Ford. That is coming up in our Ute update <laughs> in just a few minutes. Come on, yuck. All right, we'll do that coming up. Also, PK, this will shock you, but while we were talking Utes, uh, people were uh, going to town on the Cougars and what may or may not happen with Kalani Sataki. And we will get to that next. I think there's one thing that we've kind of alluded to, but we haven't exactly spelled out, but I think you and I both know it. And I think it's something that uh, transitions across multiple careers and matters to coaches, too. And we will get to that next. Stay with us.